This is Stanley bringing you the sound doctrine of the Bible. Under God, I conducted sound doctrine seminars in 1997, 2007, and 2012. The talks of these seminars are now made available to you Doctrine of the Church Number one, one God and Father. Now we will go to point number three. We need to understand as the attribute of God. God is eternal. Which means he has no beginning and he has no end. Turn with us to book of Psalms 98 chapter. We will read the second verse. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. These are all beautiful texts, and these words are so excellently and succinctly coined. So these are all worth memorizing. Fourth words of the same psalm. A thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. In other words, God knows the end from the beginning. Turn with us to the book of Isaiah 46th chapter, and I will read verses 9 and 10. Just because some of these words you are very familiar with, don't become lazy to turn to the passages. Turn to the passages. See them in your Bibles and your faith will be renewed and strengthened. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other, and I am God, there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. God declares the end from the beginning. Those of you who have had an opportunity to pray with me, this is one of my very favorite texts. Any situation, any program, any problem, any project, I always acknowledge before the Lord to start with, Lord, you know the end from the beginning. So Lord, guide us. Lead us, equip us, prepare us. That's how I used to pray. Book of Deuteronomy 33rd chapter and verse 27. Eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Sister Sarah Navaroji, the Tamil Christian poetess, has given us a beautiful song, Anadidevan Unadikalamit. That song is full of this particular truth that we are studying now. First Timothy, first chapter and 17th verse. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, studying theology 
Our understanding of God leads us to a meaningful and acceptable worship. God is eternal. The fourth truth that we are studying is God is omnipresent. Turn with us to the book of Jeremiah, 23rd chapter. We'll read verses 23 and 24. Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord? I am not a God afar off. Can anyone hide himself in secret places, so I shall not see him? Says the Lord, don't I fill heaven and earth? Says the Lord. So in order to pray for the salvation of Delhi, you don't need to go and pray in Delhi. You can pray from Dharmaburi, Delhi will be touched by the Lord. Because the Bible says, am I a God only for the near? Am I not a God afar off also? He cannot be contained in any space because God has no dimension. And he cannot be localized also. If only you can localize deity, you can say that place has got a sanctity. When you cannot localize deity, there is no sanctified place on the face of the earth today. Solomon understood it by the wisdom God gave him. First Kings 8 chapter and verse 27. Will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built. Nobody can build a better temple or a prayer hall than Solomon. Even Solomon, he said, even heaven of heavens cannot contain God. Can this small temple can contain him? Book of Isaiah 66th chapter, the first two verses. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Why is the house that you will build me? A challenge. Why is the place of my rest? All these things my hands have made, but on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contract spirit, and who trembles at my word. God is omnipresent. Then comes a question. Is God in hell also? He does not dwell there, but he can visit that place for judgment. Turn with us to the book of Amos, ninth chapter. We'll read verses 2 and 3. Though they dig into hell, from there my hand shall take them. Though they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. Though they hide themselves on top of Carmel, from there I will search and take them. Though they hide me from sight at the bottom of the sea, from there I will command the serpent and it shall bite them. God does not dwell in hell, but he can visit hell if necessary in order to execute judgment. 
The fifth point we need to understand as the attribute of God. God is omniscient. First John 3rd chapter 20th words. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. God knows all things. The omniscience of God. Book of Hebrews 4th chapter. Look at the 13th verse. There is no creature hidden from his sight. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. David understood this truth and he has given us a very illustrative, practical and personal application. All theology becomes our personal experience. That's the profit of studying theology. Psalm 139, the first four words, several of us know this by heart. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down, my rising up. You understand my thought of our off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. And are acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word in my tongue. Behold Lord, you know it all together. You know, if you read the entire Psalm 139, you can give a title to that psalm like this. God knows. God knows. That's the title we can give to this long psalm. That knowledge of David led him to a heart-searching prayer which we very often use. It is climaxed in the last two verses, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Yes, beloved, the knowledge of each of the attributes of God will enrich our personal walk and our personal life. Then there is a question. God knows everything. But how does God say he will forget our sins? If somebody forgets our sins, then he cannot ever remember our sins. So he does not know that. Now how do we say that God forgets our sins? Turn with me to book of Isaiah, 43rd chapter. Look at the 25th word. These are all some crucial theological truths that I am presenting to you. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. What does it mean? It does not mean that God cannot remember our sins. It only means that in our relationship with him, he will not resurrect them again. But as far as man is concerned, you go and uh, apologize to a person, that person will say, I forgive you. But he will not forget it. At the next most opportune time, he will bring it to remembrance and he will quote it against you. That's not so with God. 
once he forgives he will not resurrect it again to remind us or condemn us that is the meaning of saying that god does not remember our sins any longer the sixth attribute of god is god is omnipotent now there are so many references to the almightiness of god throughout the whole bible for example genesis 17:1 god spoke to abraham i am god almighty and when god spoke to jacob in 35th chapter of genesis in the 11th verse god said i am god almighty very recently i while i was browsing through my concordance i came across a very interesting finding the maximum number of reference to the almightiness of god in the whole bible occurs in the book of job the most mysterious book in the bible is book of job we know that but that most mysterious book of job will be better understood if we have the background of the almightiness of god the god can do anything if that character is kept at the background the picture emerges beautifully so next time you study book of job have this as the theme the almightiness of god the omnipotence of god then there's a lot of puzzles in the bible it will just fall in place beloved there is an off repeated statement about this almightiness of god in the bible you know what that statement is nothing is impossible with god first god said that to sarah and next god gave that promise to prophet jeremiah then god gave that promise through angel gabriel to mary then jesus directly gave this promise to his disciples when they asked him about rich people entering the kingdom of heaven who then can be saved jesus said with man this is impossible but with god all things are possible for each of these four instances you leave some bracket parenthesis against uh, whatever i have said and when you get back home you take it as a home assignment find out the references and you fill them up so that itself will be a very encouraging and healthy exercise for you and now the seventh attribute of god is god is invisible Now turn with us to John's Gospel, first chapter and eighteenth verse. John one eighteen. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. First Timothy, first chapter and seventeenth verse. now the king eternal immortal invisible 
Now, immediately after the telling about that attribute of God, see how he goes into worship. He says, to him be honor, everlasting power, Amen. That is why whatever we are now learning will be for our lifetime worship, meaningfully and acceptably. 1 John 4th chapter and 12th verse. No one has seen God at any time. This is what teaching is. Now, this is a plainly taught doctrine in the Bible. There can be some experiences this side or that side which seem to contradict this, but we should not take it as a contradiction. On the face of this plain teaching, we should synchronize that passage. Look at Exodus, for example, 33rd chapter. Read the 11th verse. The Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. The same chapter come to the 20th verse. God told Moses, you cannot see my face, no man shall see me and live. In the 11th verse, it says, God spoke to Moses face to face. But in the 20th verse, God himself says that you cannot see my face. If you see my face, you cannot live. What does it mean? We should not go from experience to doctrine. We should test experience on the face of the doctrine. Even a biblical experience must be brought under the scrutiny of the clear teaching of the scriptures. Yes, God never reveals or shows himself in his total essence to any human being. But he shows a little bit here and there through his created beings. Jesus made it very clear. God is a spirit. To whom did he say that? Jesus said it to the Samaritan woman. When did he say that to the Samaritan woman? The Samaritan woman was talking about the place of worship. She was talking about the sanctity of that mountain. And Jesus corrected her. You cannot box or house the Lord God in a mountain. And Jesus said, God is a spirit. You cannot worship him ceremonially. He is a spirit, so you should worship him in spirit. You know, in what context Jesus brings that? When he was talking about that special places of worship, Jesus brought the truth. God has no dimension. You cannot house him. 
you cannot locus and localize him you cannot box him he is a spirit you must worship him in spirit that is why god is strictly against follow me carefully those of us who are in india we need to understand this truth once for and all thoroughly why should we not have graven images because god is spirit god is a jealous god turn with us to book of exodus 20th chapter from verse 4 to 6 you shall not make for yourself any carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth you so, shall not bow down to them nor serve them three things god says against graven images number 1 don't make them number 2 don't bow down before them number 3 don't serve them don't go after them where does it begin it does not begin with bowing before it it begins in making once you make it you begin to revere it once you begin to revere it you begin to go after it so backsliding or deviation always begins a little and then it goes off tangent missing the mark by million miles so god is different from everything he has created we have to evangelize our non christian friends and tell them about the true god we must tell them why we believe that no graven images should ever be made I am a jealous God. Now God is so angry with anyone who is trying to just give dimension to him. Now this subject I have dealt with in complete detail in Sound Doctrine seminar number 1. So I have now given you seven attributes of God. I will call them as the absolute and unique characters of God which means we cannot have any share with those attributes these are called incommunicable attributes of God understand that for very carefully these are incommunicable attributes of God that is exclusively god's prerogative he alone is eternal he alone is invisible he alone is omniscient any day we cannot have a share with them these are called incommunicable attributes of god we'll continue our study in the next segment God bless you.